0: I personally think um, digital assets are here to stay as an exciting new asset class. Only by understanding where it came from and its use cases can you actually understand where it's going to innovate to.
1: You're listening to Crypto Savvy, the show that demystifies digital assets and uncovers all things cryptocurrency. Brought to you by the Hashkey Group, a leader in financial technology and digital asset management. Crypto Savvy, the essentials. It feels as though Bitcoin burst onto the stage during coronavirus and has grabbed headlines around the world. In all actuality, it's the 13th year since the Satoshi Nakamoto protocols were published. Let's step back and learn more about the creation of Bitcoin and the growth of the digital asset industry. My guest today is my colleague, Angelina Kwan, senior advisor to the board at Hashkey Group. Before joining Hashkey, she held senior management and director positions with the Hong Kong Exchange Clearing, the SFC in Hong Kong, and other multinational and financial corporations. Angelina is also a Hong Kong government-appointed member for Sustainable Development, the Vice Chairman of the Women's Foundation, an honorary fellow and director of the Hong Kong Security and Investment Institute, and a fellow of the Hong Kong Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Chartered Accountants of Australia and New Zealand. Angelina, welcome to the Crypto Savvy Podcast. I told you we'd start with one of the tougher questions. Can you introduce us to your experience and background, please?
0: Thank you, Walter, and it's a pleasure to be here today. Well, my name is Angelina Kwan, and I'm the senior advisor to the board at Hashkey, and what is Hashkey? Uh, we are a firm that wishes to be licensed by the SFC and hopefully by the end of this year we will be um, as what the second virtual asset service provider in Hong Kong. Um, before joining, I spent a lot of time uh, in financial services. Uh, I worked with the SFC, uh, the exchange, which is HKEX, and I've done quite a few things in investment banking. And I do a lot with charities and uh, at women's events women's uh, issues.
1: Fantastic. Well, listen, I want to dive right into the digital asset fundamentals, yep. and uh, I was hoping you could set the scene for us, and let's ask a basic question. What is considered a digital asset?
0: Well, to answer your uh, question directly, a digital asset is basically an asset that is stored or um, saved on a digital blockchain or a blockchain. And let's just cast our mind back to 2008 when you were a young boy. And um, the world was crumbling with Lehman Lehman um, uh, collapsing and the financial systems collapsing. And a group of people or maybe one person by the name of Satoshi Nakamoto came up with the first protocol for what was called the Bitcoin protocol. And in that Document, which um, you can go online and find it was actually a peerless p e e r l e s um uh, chain where um there was no authority issuing a store of value mm. and it would be managed by people called miners um, that would basically keep up this network and it would become a store of value and that was revolutionary because people were losing um, faith in the financial systems because so many big investment banks were collapsing, uh, people were going bankrupt, and so on and so forth. And then now, cast your mind uh, to where we are now, um, from 2008, that's 13 years later, to 2021. Um, you're seeing a whole new asset uh, class that has emerged out of what was out of adversity, um, and has now become what is called a digital asset. Bitcoin is one of many digital assets that have been become a store of value for different purposes. There are different coins um, or different digital assets such as Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin, and each have a founder or a group of founders behind them uh, that have come up with this protocol that is um, actually launched on a blockchain, and um, they have some sort of value assigned to them or given to them, or it's what you believe that they're worth.
1: Now, the term digital assets and cryptocurrencies, are they the same thing? And... Uh... <laughs>
0: Um, it's funny when you say crypto, it's like you, you think of the gangsters, crypto. And um, actually, crypto and digital assets are the same thing. Um, I would say digital assets are the more genteel uh, 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 name of it, whereas crypto is actually where it came from. And it came from cryptology. And basically, um, it's part of the DNA of digital assets in that um Security is very, very important for crypto assets, and cryptology, crypto having to do with um, uh, security, um, is is an important part of that this asset class.
1: Now, I was uh, told Bitcoin became very revolutionary due to solving the double spend problem. Correct. Uh, can you um, highlight what that issue is and and how Bitcoin overcame that? So. There were tokens before that were created,
0: but there was no way to make um, the counting of those coins immutable in that one coin, one place that it was held. Well with Bitcoin and with the protocol that was developed by Satoshi Nakamoto, it basically um, prescribed a way that each Bitcoin was unique and each Bitcoin would be on the blockchain and could be tracked. And that's why now um, when you see these hacks uh, that happen um, with Giant exchanges. Just recently, there was a giant one uh, that happened, and of course, the um, uh, the hacker uh, returned all the funds. But you can track every step of the way of uh, one bitcoin moving within the system, unless it's taken out of uh, the blockchain completely. That's the only way that you, the, the the hackers can actually um, uh, uh, launder their their hackings. Um, but any. Jump. So if I transfer Bitcoin to you, we can see that in two seconds. And um, if you transfer it to someone else, Each jump is tracked, and that was the revolutionary part of this uh, network that has been created called the blockchain, and it's completely immutable, and that um, has preserved the sanctity of Bitcoin and preserved its value also.
1: What determines the price of Bitcoin, and uh, how does it retain its value?
0: It's interesting. A lot of people ask me that question, and Bitcoin is what you value it at. It's a store of value. Um, So when Bitcoin first debuted, it was cents on the dollar um, because people used it to buy things, uh, be it um, little axes and swords for video games, all the way to elicit things that were on uh, the dark web. Um, But then as Bitcoin became more well-known, it became a store of value. So I remember a long time ago um, doing some work and um, this person was telling me so much about Bitcoin. And he said, and I asked him, what is it trading at? And he said, oh, it's trading at $1,000. So how do you value that? It's because what people value it and what people will be willing to pay fiat or cash for it is what the value is. And it's not because it's, it's rarity, but it's what you value it at. So, for example, purple cactuses are very few and very rare. But would you buy a purple cactus? Would you pay $1,000 for a purple cactus?
1: Can't say I'm in the market for one.
0: Well, exactly. And that's exactly the way that Bitcoin is also treated. If you don't like it and it doesn't resonate with you, then you're not going to pay $1,000 or right now 50000 for it. But for those people who believe in this coin, it is a store of value and it could be an investment product. And that's the most exciting part of where Bitcoin is moving to now.
1: We've um, seen a lot of change in the market since Bitcoin was first introduced in 2008 in the last 13 years. What are some of the highlights of that last decade that you've seen uh, in terms of the evolution of Bitcoin and of digital assets?
0: I think it's exciting in that it started as a solution to... um, crumbling governments, and crumbling financial systems. Now, has it replaced fiat or cash? No, it has not. But what it has developed over the last 13 years is a very exciting asset class. But the even more exciting thing is this peerless network of miners that keep up this network without the Fed or without some governmental entity backing it What it spawned is a number of other blockchains, a number of other coins, a number of other protocols, um, which has given the whole world a ton of new possibilities in terms of tokenization, in terms of ways to um, uh, uh, innovate finance and innovate a way to, to track assets. And because the blockchain is immutable, you can always track where things go. And from bit, the lowly little Bitcoin, it's grown into a ton of other different tokens.
1: Now, each of these other cryptocurrencies is written to their own unique blockchain. Correct. So what are some of the other widely known cryptocurrencies, uh trading today?
0: So one of them, of course, is something called Ethereum. And a young man by the name of Vitalik Buterin came up with the Ethereum network. Um, And when he first came up with it, um, it was just a very small network. But what he did was um, he went and met a number of people in China, around the world, and showed the interesting facets about the Ethereum network. And because he had this token, and the token was used to actually build up this network, he was able to get people to back this token and people bought the token, and he built up the network. And because of it now, guess what? Tons of transactions are actually... Um, tons of coins are are sent on the Ethereum network. Tons of non-fungible tokens, which are could be um, a token itself, or it can be a picture of a crypto cypher funk, um, to all different things are being sent on the Ethereum network. So much so that the prices of transacting on the uh, network, because they're so congested, has just gone up. So what Vitalik Buterin has had to do, um, the original designer of it, is he's had to modify the way the network works. And now, of course, um, it's a new improved version of the Ethereum network. And because of that, um, it's less gas fees or less costs to actually go through. But when we talk about costs to move one Ethereum from me to you, It if you go to a bank, it'll cost you $40 for me to transfer um, uh, hundred dollars to you, but on the Ethereum network or other networks, it can cost you a dollar, fifty cents. Depends on how fast the mining is actually working and how much the miners charge. So you're talking maybe two dollars, maybe at most five dollars to move um, a, a one Ethereum or hundreds of Ethereum, which are currently traded at roughly about three thousand per Ethereum token right now.
1: It's interesting to look at the volume studies of where uh, crypto is used most frequently, and it seems to be uh, predominantly in underbanked countries.
0: Yes, exactly. And you can see that just most recently, Cuba has been um, uh, uh, extolling the virtues, and they're getting prepared to be able to take, to take um, uh, digital assets as or Bitcoin as their main currency. So, it's interesting how countries that are underbanked are actually uh, moving towards um, such a um, network and moving to adoption of such networks.
1: Now, uh, we're starting to see institutions and professional investors get into digital assets. Uh, Why the interest?
0: I remember a chairman of a major investment bank sitting me down to lunch, and he said, Angelina, tell me everything about what? This Bitcoin is? And why is it important? So for the next hour and a half, we had the most engaging conversation. And that investment bank has actually moved into trading Bitcoin now. I mean, he was obviously taking soundings from a lot of other people too. But basically what the investment banks are seeing is this has turned into an investment product. And it is a product that family offices, high net worth individuals, retail are all moving into as an asset class and maybe they can't afford to buy one bitcoin which is currently trading at around 48 48,000 US dollars but they can buy a sliver which is at point zero zero two. you can still get exposure so and maybe that's $1,000 US so no matter how much, it's a very um, flexible product in that you don't need to buy the whole thing. You can buy parts, um, and uh, there are a ton of um, other ancillary products that are based on, for example, Bitcoin. So there are Bitcoin derivatives, um, and then there's funds that have Bitcoin or Bitcoin exposure into them. And that's what's interesting for um Uh, investment banks, brokerages, and traditional financial services entities because it's not just all stock, it's not just all derivatives, but this is an exciting new asset class um, that's somewhat easy um, to get into.
1: Right. And Angelina, we've mentioned a few of the cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, mm-hmm. Ethereum, and then there are also Ripple and stable coins and others. Uh, but then there's another type of digital asset, uh, a coin or a token. Can yes. you introduce us to those, please?
0: So, it's interesting because a token is an electronic form of it, – it can be represent an electronic form of an asset. So – um. If you have some sort of asset that you want to make more liquid, you can decide hmm, I've got this house here and I'm getting rent. So maybe I'd like to um, maybe sell off a fractional portion. So you could go to a broker and ask that broker to just sell off half of your house for you. Or you might want to go to a company that can tokenize the asset. And if it's an interesting enough asset, um, and if it has an interesting enough return, then you can tokenize it and sell those tokens to people that would like to Um, take part in the rental income, for example. And this is just a very simplistic example that I've given you. But basically, it is a way for um, uh, asset holders to um, get liquid. Um, They can hold the asset themselves, or they can can use a custodian, and then uh, a custodian would then hold the asset, and then the tokens would be issued based on that holding. So, you could have one token or you can have hundreds of tokens. It depends how you how you value the asset and how many people want to buy that token.
1: So it then sounds like a token isn't very it is not very is somewhat similar to a share. It's a uh, fractional representation of ownership. Yes. Uh, but it comes in a different slightly different format.
0: And again, it is on a blockchain. Again, now with some of these smart contracts that are being created, um, you can actually insert interest payments into these tokens um, and so that uh, they can collect their uh, rent. Uh, they can collect their whatever it is through there in terms of payments. And um, the tokens can be tracked. Um, so as technology develops more and more, all of these smart contracts are becoming smarter and smarter. And it's not as if you have a physical share anymore, uh, which we just talked about the share market. If you buy or sell some stock, it used to be, oh, I issue you this paper share. Um, Now it's a token that's traded on a chain. You can send the token um, through the chain. I can send it to you, um, and that's my gift to you, Walter. Uh, Or um, I can send it as collateral for something else um, to a financial institution. So, there are many, many different uses of these tokens now, and that's what we're seeing. Um, This whole new um, world of uh, asset holders that can get more liquid with their um, assets by issuing tokens.
1: Now, uh, traditionally, when I've uh, bought and sold shares, I've used an exchange. Um, Where and how do you buy and sell your cryptocurrencies or tokens?
0: very much like the old-fashioned way of selling shares. You can use an exchange. um, So your tokenization can be done by the exchange itself or you can ask um, a company, uh, and there are many of them out there, like companies like Securitize and so on and so forth, that actually create the token for you. They make sure the asset is out there. um, They make sure there's a structure in place that there's a custodian for the asset. And then they will take that value and tokenize it, and then you can either list it on an exchange, or you can sell it as a private sale, or it can trade on an exchange. And so many of the tokens that you see now that are sold like for property, there may not be a lot of onward selling. but. Also, there are things called um, initial exchange offerings. So these are part of networks that will pay for a network to grow a network out. So you're seeing those tokens um, freely traded on various exchanges like um, the giant exchanges that are all detailed in Exchange Wars, um, they're freely traded and they're cross-listed on uh, various um, uh, digital asset exchanges. So hopefully, once we get our licenses, we'll be able to list uh, and cross-list uh, some of these tokens and um, help our clients uh, that are asset holders also list the tokens and trade them and get, help them get them uh, listed, cross-listed with other exchanges.
1: Right. So, it sounds as though tokenization is a newer form of capital raising. Exactly. Um, That is
0: exactly what it is, and and
1: it's exciting. What are some of the use cases or some of the items you've seen tokenized to date?
0: Well, um, one of them, interestingly enough, um, uh, is basically real estate. Uh, You're seeing different real estate portfolios being tokenized. Um, You're also seeing Uh, different types of assets uh, or asset classes. So the funny one that we always talk about is that sheep, for example, can actually be tracked as a token and they have a monitor that's tracking them. And you can actually sell a sheep um, by a token if you wanted to do that. Um, What you're also seeing is uh, seeing interest in in networks. Um, So if you've got a new network that's going up like a blockchain, um, you're seeing tokens issued on that to pay for the network, to build the network. So many of the uh, initial exchange offerings um, have been uh, based on um, new networks coming up and um, new exchanges themselves, for example. Um, and something that maybe even Hashkey might do one day, is to issue a Hashkey token that would help build and further bolster um, uh, uh, the further modification and innovation of uh, our hash key exchange, for example.
1: Now, Angelina, you, I want to go back to the sheep for a minute. Yes. You mentioned the sheep, and I can't imagine investing in a sheep, sheep. token. Yes. However, I suddenly see the perspective of the farmer who exactly. has a large herd or flock, yes. um, or what would they be called? A- A gaggle 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 of of sheep. (laughs) (laughs) But um, we suddenly have a new way to monetize their livestock uh, instead of waiting for sale date or auction date.
0: And the other thing is, um, with some of the contracts that are happening now around the world, um, the monitoring of the sheep, that they've not gone astray, um, their health. Um, all of this can be done in terms of scientifically and actually programmed into some of these tokens now. So you're seeing some amazing things that are going on the blockchain. And uh, that that little sheep can be monitored or that little cow can be monitored as a group. And um, actually the statistics would then go to um, uh, people providing insurance for uh, the livestock, for example. So these are ways that, um, these are real use cases that are being used for both tokenization and for electronic monitoring, because you can always track them.
1: Now, you're from a traditional corporate finance background. Yeah. Uh, how do you help your peers overcome their skepticism and reluctance to uh, further understanding these asset classes?
0: Well, the first thing I try to tell people is, number one, I personally think um, digital assets are here to stay as an exciting new asset class. And only by understanding where it came from and uh, its use cases can you actually uh, understand where it's going to innovate to. So part of it is demystifying, or as you always say, uh, making complex things less complex, and explaining to people, look, this is a store of value. It's what you're going to pay for it. Only buy it if you understand it. That's number one. So take the time to study. Take the time to go meet people. Take the time to go see how it's traded. Take the time to understand um, the protections and how to store Um, these assets so that you don't get ripped off. Um, Make sure you buy from people uh, or companies that are either regulated or legitimate in this industry. And there's a lot of scamsters in this industry. Um, And luckily the regulators are um, now rooting out a lot of these bad elements Um, and just That's why I go out and talk so much about this, because um, it's not a pipe dream anymore. These are real assets that really exist that people um, put value to. And I've seen portfolios go up. I've seen them go down, too. But the more people understand, the more uh, demystifying it will be.
1: Angelina, you mentioned uh, regulators, mm-hmm. and I understand Hashkey Group is applying for SFC licensing. Correct. Uh, what is the difference between a regulated and unregulated exchange?
0: So a regulated exchange, um, as our chairman, uh, Dr. Shaw has always said, um, regulation is the way to go. And um, if you are regulated, uh, you will adhere to a best practice standard. Uh, you will have security, resiliency, um, follow international best practice rules. And what you're getting from um, a regulated exchange is peace of mind that, number one, the exchange won't run away with your funds. And you've seen so many exchanges that have either been hacked or just run away with funds. And there was a Canadian exchange that just did that um, a few years ago. Uh, but. Basically, with regulation, um, you know that that entity that has gone through the regulatory process has fulfilled uh, security standards, um, uh, safekeeping standards, operational standards, uh, and making sure that they do the right thing to protect the client in terms of their digital assets. And that's why it's important that um, you, you actually use a regulated exchange. Uh, or an exchange that um, has been uh, uh, recognized by a regulator around the world, and the major regulators you already see who they are, which is the U.S. SEC, Hong Kong, the SFC, um, Japan. Um, so they've all been issuing licenses now because these uh, digital asset firms have gone through the whole process to um, get regulated um, and have the proper capital structure in place. It
1: it does seem we've uh, come full circle. If you mentioned at the outset this was created in the aftermath of the financial services industry collapse in 2008 and was meant to be kind of unregulated Mm -hmm. and uh, free.
0: It was cowboys and it was crazy people. But now it's turned into an asset that people, hopefully, as you and I have both been saying, hopefully your kids will have this um, as part of their inheritance. Um, uh, uh, And um, our funds uh, that are Bitcoin funds will um, definitely be uh, worth a lot more. I certainly made the right decision when that young man who came to see me and gave me that uh, Bitcoin. it's gone up 50 times and so yeah. Uh,
1: so um, I just want to wrap this up uh, and ask uh, just how do you get started? Uh, if you've not been involved in crypto before, what are some of the first things you need to do? You mentioned, do your research and understand the product. but what are the physical steps you take to actually get get a coin?
0: Go to a reputable or licensed um, uh, dealer of uh, digital assets and sit down with them if they're worth anything um, and if they don't sit down and explain to you what exactly is a digital asset how to trade it and then offer to you look um, you can set up an account then go to the next one and or come and see us uh, and set up an account and trade and buy that first sliver of a digital asset you don't need to put a lot in but try it trade um, and learn. There are a ton of publications that are out there too. And I, um, I read ferociously every day in terms of all the different publications that come out. I also go to, I'm a real geek, I go to the Bitcoin Association meetings and I talk to uh, traders um, and I talk to experts in the field Um, about the latest innovations, because it's not just learning about how to trade Bitcoin. It's what's the next thing, what are the next coins, um, or what's the next way to be able to make Bitcoin easier to trade, for example. So for example, there's a new system called Lightning, and you don't have to use your one Bitcoin. You can put in $300 Hong Kong of Satoshis, which are cents Uh, Of bitcoins and basically you can buy a beer with that now in Hong Kong and there are more and more restaurants and more and more establishments that are taking this so go and learn and the only way you'll learn is by owning one at least one digital asset so that's what I would really encourage people to go out and learn and talk to people and um, try it (laughs)
1: Fantastic. Well, that's great advice. And um, I'll get started today if I haven't already. If you
0: haven't already. I'm sure you have.
1: Well, thank you very much for your time. And thanks for coming on to Crypto Savvy today.
0: Thank you, Walter.
1: I hope that after today's episode, you'll be running out and buying a sliver of Bitcoin and storing that in your secure custody account. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating as it helps others to find us. I'm Walter Jennings, and this was Crypto Savvy from Hashkey Group. Thank you for listening to Crypto Savvy, the podcast that delivers the essentials, brought to you by Hashkey Group.